gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Scentsy Brewcast. It's the voice of Scentsy Craft, and uh, this is... Uh, Am I calling this Christmas in July? <laughs> Everyone else does. You might as well. After we just got done talking about uh, uh, the seasonality of certain beer styles and how they uh, how they seem to be way earlier than they should be, um, we're going to talk beer vent on this episode. So um, if you're uh, if you're new to Cincinnati beer and you don't know what beer vent is, uh, we'll explain. If you're if you're not, which I assume most of the people that listen to the show know what I'm talking about, you know where I am. I'm in Higher Gravity, although I'm at Higher Gravity Summit Park, which is the first time I've recorded a show here. Um, it's kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. the I think the last time that we sat down um, oh, was probably like last summer, maybe. I know it was warm outside. Um, does that sound right? Last summer, you have a better memory than I I'd do. To, I, re- I, I remember sitting down, but I have no idea what the temperature would have been. It was um, warm. I know that the windows were open, um, and after the show, I was sitting there having a beer. And Brett from Urban walked over, and there's no way he's walking from the brewery over if it's cold outside. That's, oh, he that's, he does it all the time. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm off. Maybe it was cold. Who knows? But it's been a while, and I know that the last time that we sat down and talked. Uh, you guys were definitely not open here yet. And I think that it was still like, oh man, we hope it, we hope it happens soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know at, at that point we had thought that we would be opening in the next like three months, which is why we sat down. Um, and then of course all these repercussions from COVID come along and, and basically stalled us from getting open. So that added another, I think six months to our timeline. So when we were talking last, we would have thought we would be open in October. Um, and we didn't actually end up getting open here in summit park until, until March. But this is, this is, um, good timing for today, uh, with you coming up here and, uh, obviously talking about beer vent is what we're here to talk about, but I actually, I lost track of time and had no idea what, what day it was. And I just happened to look at the calendar and I was like, Oh shit, it's our, it's, it's our f- five year anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, yeah. I saw the post yeah. this morning and, um, it's crazy. Like if you, I mean, five years in, in the grand scheme of things is not a, not a huge amount of time, but when you look at it in the perspective of Cincinnati beer, uh, when you put it into the perspective of everything that has happened in the last five years, it is a very long time. And I know for you, you probably have a few more gray hairs because of the chaos. Yeah, you can. <laughs> the you, last it, five years, it's but, definitely showing in my beard now. That's for sure. Um, there's been a lot that's happened. Um, uh, when uh, I'm working on a uh, blog post right now about uh, about Blank Slate, which um, is is a little bit off topic, but um, Blank Slate was only around for five years. And so when you think about a place like that and the lasting impression that it has left on Cincinnati beer uh, with only being around for five years, it's crazy. It is crazy to think of places like you guys now that have been around for that long and um, and what it means for the future and uh, how it's how it's building this Cincinnati beer thing way deeper than, than it has been. Yeah, well, I mean, thanks for freaking me out now. I'd be, like... <laughs> In the past and before we started this, uh, there's all these milestones, right? Like you get past the first year and you're you're feeling pretty good, but it was always said and, you know, what we had always read was once you get to five years, not a lot of places last that long. If you can last that sure. long, you can be around for a while. And now you're telling me that Blank Slate closed <laughs> after five years and now wanna, we're screwed. even so, more freaked yeah. out? New Albion was only around for six years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
so so we'll see if we can get past six but um there's the you know it, you guys have definitely found your spot in a uh in a in a, in a beer scene that sometimes that's hard to do especially i mean there there are beer stores around that have been around for a very long time that do a really incredible job at it um and you guys i say somehow but you know it's when you look at what you've you've built here it's it's very clear how you found your your niche in that but um did you uh did you think that things were going to kind of develop the way that they did um I know that, like I said, we're sitting here at Summit Park, and this is definitely a more, uh, a more draft on on premise focused location, maybe than uh, um, than the original spot was. But um, I don't I don't know that it's necessarily more draft and on premise focused. That's not that's not what we're trying to bring to the community. But the way that we laid out the space, I can see why it would feel that way. Well, it's also um, you're also in. In Summit Park, where there's a door. I mean, I guess that, that I don't, does that count as on premise? I I would still count it as <laughs> on premise. Too. Yeah, yeah. The prices are still the same. You're still <laughs> saying, paying the same price for a pint to take it out in the park as you are in the bar. It's not like you're paying six pack pricing right. or whatever. So I I would consider that on premise still. Um, but we still have just as much to go stuff. We still right. have just as many cans and bottles as we have in Northside, but the way we've laid out the space, it looks and feels a little bit different. And that was done on purpose. Um, and I do think it will take a little bit of time for people to really catch on to how much package we have right. and, and for that part to catch up. Right now, we are pretty significantly on premise, but every day with people coming in, they'll see what we've got over there and be like, oh, you're also a beer shop too. Um, which we would have thought would have been a little bit easier up here in Summit Park because right. people already kind of know us a little bit. Um, but it is a much different demographic and it's a different neighborhood that we're finding out people don't know us from Northside. Um, just, and, and we're following the same pattern as Northside where it was very heavy bar. And then we, right. you know, as people came in and saw what we had, then it turned into a hybrid bottle shop. So maybe this is just how I shop now, but like I, I can't picture myself very often going to a bottle shop and just walking in buying my beer and then walking out i'm gonna have a pint or two and maybe that's just the the places that i shop at. <laughs> like so i in my head it's like if i'm gonna go stop and grab a six-pack somewhere i'm gonna stop and i'm gonna have you know two or three pints of beer and then grab the six pack too. <laughs> yeah, like you might not, as well. It's not either one or the other for me. It, you know, when you're walking out the door, you're taking everything. Oh, honey, I had to stop for beer. It's okay. <laughs> it definitely makes the buying process more fun. Like I, I prefer to pick out my beer while I've got a beer in my hand right. too. So like, yeah, it, once you, once you experience that wherever you're at, it's hard to go back to just grabbing some stuff off the shelf at Kroger or whatever. How far along in the uh, the life of Higher Gravity did you guys start looking at how that was set up and say, you know, if, oh, if we could do this again, if we were doing a second space, uh, this is what it would look like? I mean, Nick and I, so Nick is my business partner, um, for anyone who hasn't heard us on the show or doesn't know us from the, from the bar, um, he and I, our wheels are both constantly turning, so in the context of how do we do the next one, I don't think we were thinking of that right away, but it was constantly from day one, oh, what could we have done better? Or how could we make this space work better for our customers? Um, so all those ideas were constantly flowing and you can see it in the evolution of the, of the Northside space. If you have been in there from day one, you've seen probably six different types of bar stools, <laughs> 12 different layouts in terms of how we've done seating, how we, 
uh, organize all the beers that are on the shelves and things like you that. You just moved the front door, didn't you? We just moved the front door. <laughs> so we're, st we're still changing things uh, to try and make that flow a little better, feel more comfortable for customers and things like that. So like that evolution never changes. But again, we weren't thinking from day one, what are we going to do in the next space? It was what can we do to improve this space? And then these kind of, those ideas flowed over into what we have here at Summit Park. And Summit Park, honestly, we weren't looking for a second location. Um, it kind of just fell to us. And we were like, we can't pass this up right. because the space is too, or the maybe not the space, but the location is too perfect to pass up. And we went with it. We weren't trying to, because we signed our lease I think a year, year and a half after we opened Northside. So we signed that lease for Summit Park three, three and a half years ago. Right. Um, and we were not ready. <laughs> well, Summit Park wasn't ready. <laughs> Summit Park wasn't ready. We, we were 100% not ready. ready. So it, it, it did kind of work out. Um, and as shitty as the whole COVID situation was, that gave us a lot of time for us to actually get ready. And by the time we, we were here, we were ready to run two different locations, we were able to get our staff in a good place. Well, it starts to give you time to to really think, okay, this is this is going to happen. We're going to have space number two. All of those things that we've been talking about that, you know, oh, we would have done this different or we should improve this or how can we improve this? It gives you time to figure that out for this space. Not that this is better than, than Northside because I, 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 don't, I don't know that it is. It's just different, you know, and I, I think that uh, uh, it's fun to watch that evolution. It's It's kind of interesting to me and, and this is not to um to say that everybody is like this but um there are a lot of local bottle shops that don't have evolution of that experience at all like you the beers that are on the shelves change and uh, maybe they'll put in more shelves as things get more popular or not but and put in taps or whatever it may be um but you don't see a lot of changes with the experience as a customer you walk in and this is just how it's always been this is where things are this is how they're organized and uh, have at it whereas uh, you guys from day one it's like you said things are always shifting and changing and evolving and trying to improve that experience and um uh, maybe that's what makes this place so special is that you know it's a, a curated bottle shop it you should be curating everything from, you know, the beer that's on the shelf to the experience when people walk in the door. And uh, I don't know why more places haven't caught on to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, maybe maybe some people have a better vision up front for what they want to have and they build it straight away. Or maybe we just get really bored. Cause There's some... no way, though. Some of these places that opened up opened up way before, like, you know, this this craft beer thing happened. Right. Like it was they were selling imports or whatever it may be, you know. Uh, there's no way they had some kind of vision. <laughs> they just... Maybe they're a little stubborn. <laughs> it, that that very well could be, and you know whether they're stubborn or whether they just don't have the time to be able to do it. But I like me personally. I am someone who I cannot sit still for three minutes. It's very hard for me. The only time I can actually sit still is if I have a beer in my hand and there's a game on. Right. Um, but otherwise, like I'll be sitting around the bar on North Side, um, and if I get a spare five minutes of time between all of our beer orderings, doing all the back end functions, bartending, that kind of stuff. I might break out a saw and start cutting some stuff. It's just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that could change. And, and let me just, let me just go do it. So I, and it, it's been good in Northside because Northside, most of the bars, restaurants there are very, um, I don't know, it, like personally bootstrapped by a lot of yeah. the entrepreneurs there. And so the Northside demographic is very accustomed to 
things not being perfectly professional, which has allowed me and Nick to kind of play around a little bit with the space where maybe in some areas you don't have that flexibility because customers right. may be like, what the hell is going on here? Do you think that's different up here? I don't know yet. I really don't know yet. But it, I, I was really nervous coming up here because it is such a different demographic right. and because over the last five years we've built such good relationships with all our customers down in north side like 90 percent of the people that walk in the door we know on a first name basis uh, we know all kinds of stuff about them it's a very regular customer base and because of this park here in summit park i didn't expect that kind of regularity in our right. customer base and we're already seeing that and it's awesome so maybe maybe i'm wrong and the shift between the neighborhoods isn't that different, but the, the regular customers that you have coming in, to, I mean, and you may not know the answer to this, but how many of them are people that live close by that this is their, their local spot because they live here? How many people work close by and say, Oh, I just stop here on my way home. Or, um, do you have any kind of idea of how that breaks down? The, so I, I don't just have, out of I don't have hard data. Um, our point of sale system doesn't give that us, we used to get that information off a uh, credit card information right. but um they they don't provide that anymore so i don't have hard data but from talking to people um and getting to know the customers i would say it's majority people either live in blue ash or work in blue ash um or come up to hang out at the park because the, there's been you know before all of this was here and when when breweries first started moving into blue ash and stuff there seemed to be kind of a, a stigma that nobody Nobody lives in Blue Ash. Nobody lives in this area. Nobody lives over here. Everybody just works here and then goes home somewhere else. And uh, I, I think we're, it seems to me, just from sitting in tap rooms and places and, or, or here, that the majority of people that I have talked to are people that live very close by. It's like, oh, this is, you know, this is, we just didn't have the option before. <laughs> you know, so, but again, that's anecdotal evidence. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. I think that, um, I'm, to provide any kind of community with those spaces um, is extremely important, and um, I think Blue Ash has been yearning for it for, for a very long time. No, I, I, I mean I agree, and for for the longest time, you're you're right. The population base didn't really support, and, and by population I mean the resident population, right. um, that did not support any kind of. Um, growth in terms of businesses, restaurants, bars, that kind of thing, late night. For for sure, there would be lunch crowds everywhere because there is such a large um, business population here. Um, so lunch crowds would always do well, but at nighttime, your only options are a handful of um, bars, restaurants, and then most of them are like chain fast food places. And that right. is shifting a lot with places like the approach here at Summit Park where they added 400 apartments and the Davin tree, which is still attached to the park just down the road. There's a hundred um, new row houses there and they're building another 400 of those. Wow. So stuff like that. There's another development coming on like the corner of Kenwood and Cooper Road um, and a huge development right across from Kenwood Mall. So the Blue Ash Kenwood area is growing pretty significantly and pretty rapidly. Right. Um, but then also we were right by Evendale, Sharondale, uh, or Sharonville, um, and uh, Montgomery. So we're a couple minutes away from those population centers. And in a lot of those places, there aren't a lot of unique and local places to go yet either. Right. That's changing. There's more stuff coming in as those populations grow. But 
for a long time there's not a lot of unique places that you can go to late night so well it's also like it's it's different if you're looking for a late night place that's a that's a bar or a restaurant or something like that like this is that's not what this is like it it is very tap room like it's very uh community focused it's it's a place where people can go sit down and and talk with each other which is something that i think has gotten lost over especially over the last couple of years because of covid but creating that uh, what Starbucks called it the third space or whatever, where you, you know that that extra living room that you 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 may not have at home or that may not have people in it, <laughs> you know, yeah. it provides that place to go sit down and uh, in in this case a lot of beer people. So you know if, if that's your thing and uh, you're at home and maybe your wife is getting really annoyed that you sit around and talk about beer with her, this gives you that space where you can go and you can sit down and you can talk with other people and. Um, I think that that is very different than a lot of the typical late night places that will open up in some of those new areas. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's all fine and dandy to have a, a really great new restaurant or a great new bar or something, but they don't always have that, uh, um, that soul to them that a place like this does. So yeah, they don't have, they don't have Denny or Todd behind the bar. And right. if you haven't met them yet, you'll, if, if you come in here and they're in here, you'll know. So <laughs> we, we got lucky with a really good staff who, um, really like to chat and and love to talk to people so that is a big thing like you said compared to other bars other restaurants you can come in here and sit down and talk we've got outlets everywhere where people can come in and work and it's i i don't want to go on a tangent but i was just <laughs> on a rampage on reddit about uh self-pour tap houses so like wow. here you can get your beer poured the proper way i and you know, not talk, to, talk to someone who knows about the beer not but. to take away from copper and flame and and uh and big ash I, I love both of those places but i hate i hate pouring my own beer i want to sit and i want to i want to talk to somebody i want to uh, engage with another person um, almost always. So like I, I, I get that, especially, you know, when I, if I am venturing out of the house with, with my laptop to sit somewhere and work, I definitely want other people being around me and other things happening. I don't want to, I don't want to be isolated in my own little bubble. Um, well, let's talk, uh, let's, let's go ahead and switch topics and talk about, uh, one of the biggest parts of, uh, why we came today to, to talk is a uh, beer vent. Um, we've probably talked about it on the show before, but how did the idea, uh, come about to put together this beer vent calendar and did you know what you're getting yourself into? Um, <laughs> I'll start with the second question first. No, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And that, um, is kind of a, a couple different fronts. We had no idea the kind of feedback that we would receive. And then also we had no idea how hard logistically it would be to put all this stuff together. Um, but we've gotten pretty efficient. We, this is our fourth year doing it, and we've gotten pretty good and quick at it. Um, and over five years, I've built quite a few relationships around sure. Cincinnati with all the breweries, distributors. So figuring out what to fill the boxes with has become easier, but also harder. Like it's it's easier because I can find cool stuff. And part of that is things like smaller distributors that are bringing in cool stuff. Right. But also part of it is just having those relationships and being able to have conversations in July as opposed to getting into October and being like, what you got? Um, we can start those conversations three months ahead so we can really start to plan and work on a brewery's production schedule and figure out how to fill that. And then I'm not um, trying to like, tear my hair out right. in October, November, <laughs> just trying to fill, fill gaps or anything like that. So, so that process has, has evolved over time. Um, and it's gotten 
a little easier, but at the same time harder because there's so many good options to choose oh, from. Yeah. The hardest part is like say no to some of these things that are offered for it. Um, but it is it is really fun for me personally getting to pick out all these beers and I have fun with it too. Like if you've gotten beer event calendars in the past, you know we like to screw with people a little bit. Um, we've, we've sometimes, sometimes in very terrible ways and sometimes it actually is good. Yeah. Yeah. So in it, like last year we did a malt liquor, which was, which was actually so not, good. not intended I to be the screw with people beer, but people thought it was. Um, and then we did a, then we did a Corona seltzer. Right. Um, and before that we did, um, Smirnoff ice. So we iced everybody, um, something like that may happen this year or it may not. You'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy doing that and curating just as much as I do with the beer that's on the shelves in higher gravity. I love curating what goes into this box and then seeing people's reactions on the other side. Um, we get quite a few people who post their beers every day and get right. super creative and videos and all that kind of stuff that they do with it. And it's so much fun um, for me to see. But as, as far as like the genesis of it, um, Nick and I had talked a long time ago about the idea that it would be pretty cool. I think Nick brought it up, was like, wouldn't it be cool to like have beers instead of chocolate? Um, and at the time, he, when this was before we were even open. Yeah, so beer vent calendars as an idea are, are around now. Like there's, right. there's a lot of right. places doing a lot of bigger places doing it too. And, um, but there was a, it wasn't then <laughs> it, it, it wasn't here for sure. Um, but we, we had talked about it and then Nick was living in Chicago at the time. Uh, it was before he moved back to come open this up, but, uh, there was a there's a bottle shop up there in Roscoe Village called Bitter Pops, which is awesome. If anyone goes to Chicago, you should go check it out. Um, but they were doing them, and they, I think Nick said that they sold over a thousand every year of them. But they, I don't know if they've refined what they do. I I should right. look and see what they're doing now. But it was literally just a case box that they would wrap each beer and then drop them into it case box so the presentation isn't the same as ours where you're actually punching a hole into right. the box and pulling the beer out and getting your hands stuck because the holes are too small um but which makes it really hard when you're recording tiktoks and things like that <laughs> you're trying to hold your phone with one hand and to you gotta get the uh the the rubber um <laughs> the tongs tongs, yeah. tongs to pull them out yeah, yeah yeah my my hands are too big and uh, we get people complaining about it every year and I'm sorry, but it's part of the fun. It's part of the fun, but also cardboard's really expensive right now. And then the boxes just get bigger and we don't have a lot of space to put all these. So sorry, your hand's going to get stuck. I don't, I don't really feel bad about it. Um, but, but so he, he had sent me some pictures of what they did at, at, um, bitter pops and Roscoe. Um, and we were just like, this is something we should do. And the first year we did it, we designed the box completely wrong it took us i think it took three of us like 14 hours to stock 70 of them i think we <laughs> sold it was the most miserable thing i've ever done in my entire life and then we redesigned the box now so it's just a kind of like a shoebox lid yeah. that plops down so the next year we i think we sold a little over 200 and that i mean even with doing three or four times more um boxes it took us 
quarter of the time to fill the boxes. So it it got a lot faster and we've been able to do that now. And so it's allowed us to um, sell more boxes, get more boxes into more people's hands because every year we keep upping the number of boxes and every year we sell out and then November, December comes around and we have people messaging us on Facebook calling the store like, how do I get a beer vent? And it's like, they're already sold. We cannot make any more. And part of that is we we get collaboration beers that we do in which we can talk a little more about. Um, I get special orders from out-of-state breweries, and they will literally only send us the exact number of beers that we need for our pre-orders. And if we try to sell more than that pre-order, then everyone's box is going to be different. And now we're getting in custom situations. It's just way too hard to coordinate for us. It's also not as fun. Like there's, I think that's part of the fun of it is that knowing, you know, on a random Wednesday when you are punching that thing and pulling that beer out, you're going to have that beer with everybody else. Right. And everybody's kind of sharing in that thing at the same time. I think that's kind of what makes it, it's one of the things that makes it so much fun. Yeah. Every, every single person's going to be down on one knee chucking a knife. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I agree. That's, that's part of the fun of it is seeing everybody's reaction to the same beer, everyone doing the same thing. Um, for 25 days straight. And if you start getting in these custom situations, not only is it a nightmare for us to try and stock them, but it's not as much fun for you because you don't get to interact with right. all the other people having the same experience. And then here you are the outsider, but <laughs> it's something just, else. There's just something about that, that curated experience with other people that it's, again, it's, it's a lot like sitting at a bar where you're having the same beer as somebody else and talking about it with them. There's something about that, uh, community aspect of, of being with other people that just makes it so much fun. And I, uh, I, I wish, there were really good ways to uh, to do that year round. I mean, I know you you know the six pack clubs and things like that, but um, it's never you're never getting that that community experience in the same way. Everybody's not doing things at the same time, and um, I think for me, that's part of, of of why I love it so much. Yeah, yeah, and we've had multiple people be like, "Why don't you make a beer vent in July? Like actual beer, not the presale. Yeah. Actually, make one." I don't know. For for me, part of it, like if you start doing it too often then people get sick of it yeah. and people don't keep doing it. I think, um, I think you could, you could sell like a Hanukkah kicker pack, uh, like, <laughs> like a little eight pack of, of beers that you could add on to your beer van calendar. We, but other than that, <laughs> we might have to, we might have to do that. Um, but, but yeah, there's, and, and we love doing all kinds of different events and trying to be unique with, with things that we do like our, our beer runs and our Mario Kart tournament and stuff. Right. So we we try to keep, things as fresh as possible and as much as I would love to sell 600 beer vent calendars every three months <laughs> we just can't do it it, it could you could quickly turn this whole business just into yeah beer vent calendars <laughs> yeah now if we can now if we can just go lobby to the state and um, federal government we could take this thing national and just start shipping them everywhere. Ship them, but, that would yeah. be nice. Yeah. Uh, the one year there, uh, I think it was like two, two years ago or something. I couldn't get to pick up my beer van calendar and I sent my wife, my pregnant wife. Yep. I thought that she would understand what she was picking up and she would park out in front and have somebody help her get in the car. And she didn't, she parked all the way around the corner in that parking lot and carried the whole damn thing by herself. <laughs> she got home and she said, what did you make me do? <laughs> like, what? I thought you understood. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> so shipping would be nice in some situations. Sh- shipping would be nice. It'd be expensive because these things are oh, big yeah. and they're heavy. But um, it it would be cool to do. But 
if she ever has to, if she ever <laughs> has to come, ever pick them up again, pick up the box again. And now you can pick them up in Summit Park or, That's right. or in Blue Ash. I, I signed up to pick mine up here this year, yep. which uh, I don't know why. There, it's like the same distance for me to get either spot. Um, I think the parking's a little easier here, though, so it's easier to get get at least close to the door. And um, we will bring them out to your car too. <laughs> you so don't like, need to bring mine out to my car. I can handle it. Yeah. Well, you're not pregnant. <laughs> I'm very so. strong. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about the uh, the collaboration. We should talk about what we're drinking. We haven't mentioned that at all, and that is part of the show. From the beer fridge. Um, because it's it's a beer podcast. Um, I grabbed an English mild. If you guys uh, have paid attention to the show at all, you know that uh, I'm a sucker for a Pilsner and I'm a sucker for an English mild. Uh, this is the most award-winning English mild in town. Um uh, hold the reins from Brink, um, and it's absolutely delicious and perfect for a day like today. And I could just sit and drink this all day long. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I it's, a, it. it's a great beer, and I love um, everything that Brink does. Uh, they were one of the first collaborations that we ever did, and the first um, commercial brewery that I personally ever brewed at. And they're just they're a lot of fun over there, and they make great beer. Um, I don't think enough people appreciate. English Miles, but no, not at all. And I don't, I don't know why though. I don't know if it's the name. I don't know if it's the color. I don't, I don't know what it is. But it's the perfect beer to to drink a lot of that still has flavor. I like I said, I, I love pilsners, but if you start drinking a lot of them, eventually it just kind of becomes beer. Uh, and and this doesn't ever do that. There's always something else that you uncover as you're going pint after pint. Hundred percent. <laughs> we get, we get a lot of people that will come in here when we have a beer like this on. And they'll be like, what's an English mild? And I'm just like, it's an amber. And everyone's like, oh, amber, I'll drink that. So like, I've thought many times about just changing. A session amber. Session amber, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people people would buy so much of it and not even think twice about it. But as soon as you put English mild on it, people are just, they're not ready to commit to it. Well, when they, they you know, it's usually sub 4% uh, or right around there. Um, it's, it is a beer that you can drink a ton of it's, um, but it's still super flavor forward. It's, um, a big multi caramely. I mean, it's everything you want out of, out of a beer, but n- not a lot of that alcohol, which yeah, it's, a lot I of mean, people it, could appreciate that if they understood it. It's, it's almost like, cause for me, I don't drink a lot of stouts and porters and heavy stuff in the summer. Right. I, I'm a guy that just sweats a lot and trying to choke down something that's that <laughs> thick when it, I'm already sweating as hard. But stuff like English Milds or Brown Ales is what I'll turn to if I want that experience, but I don't want the viscosity of right. it. Um, so I, I do think people who, one, would typically lean a little bit lighter, they, they would like it, but also, you know, the stout junkies could also appreciate it when it's a little hotter outside. So I think it's a a beer that could appeal to a lot of people. I just don't think people fully understand I mean, people what it is. Don't know enough about it. I I wonder if it is a little better here in Cincinnati versus other cities because we have several really great English Milds that are either award winners or are out all year round or you know make a big splash when they do. You know, Ryan guys with Uncle, and then of course Old the Reigns. You got Groovy Baby over at uh, Third Eye. Um, there's a really great one over at Common that the name is uh, slipping right now. I can't remember what it is, but I mean, there's there's a lot of really great English milds out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe we're getting a little better at the uh, the understanding of it from the average beer drinker, but uh, we're still not where it needs to be. <laughs> maybe maybe we just need to change the the name of it. I, like IPLs, right? Uh, yeah. Now they're cold IPAs, right? 
I have never seen someone balk at the term cold IPA at all. Whereas if we put something on on our tap list that said it's a new pale lager, nobody's ordering that. But right. if you just change the name to cold IPA, people are like, I like IPAs and I like them cold. Well, I'll drink it. <laughs> it is like that with a lot of beer, you know, the IPA, anything you throw IPA and people will understand better than, than the, the reverse. You know, if you call something, you know, a, a hoppy white ale, nobody's going to drink it. But if you call it a white IPA, people, right. you know, it'll suck it off the shelf. But, um, that is interesting of the the marketing side of beer styles. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It is. I, I've long been a proponent, uh, and I'm sure that everybody's tired of hearing me talk about it. But of a bar where you could go in, and instead of having the tap list that you look at, it's literally just you know the tap number. You know, tap one is hoppy and fruity, um, bitter. And that's all that you know about the beer and then the ABV. And then the next one, you know, this is dark and roasty and chocolate. And that's all you know about that beer, ABV. Um, and that's how you have to order your beers. And then maybe they'll tell you later, but I don't even need to be told what it is half the time. I just want to, I want to separate myself from all of that other stuff that goes along with a beer name or a beer style or the brewery even sometimes. I just want to sit and drink something that fits my mood for that moment. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think taking the brewery off would take so many perceptions away because oh, so yeah. many people are just like, "Oh, it's that brewery; it's going to be delicious," yeah. or "Oh, yeah, it's that versa. brewery; I don't like it." Uh, and you can have have them go both ways too. Which, um, speaking of speaking of breweries, I didn't get to announce what beer I'm drinking. Yeah. And so I'm I'm drinking, and the way I would say it is Roadhouse Pilsner. Uh, I've heard it pronounced at least 70 different ways. And one day I had a, a guy from Germany sitting in here and I asked him to pronounce it. And he did the entire, cause the full name of the brewery right. is, is several words. And he said it twice and I was just like, I'm not getting it. So <laughs> for me, it's still roadhouse, but this Pilsner is just absolutely perfect. I don't think I've ever had a better Pilsner or, you know, if I have options of Pilsners, I'm probably always going to pick this one. Right. Um, well, that's a great example of one though, that the first time I tried it, it was terrible because it was out of a bottle and, uh, it's very hard to get a bottle that's properly handled from, uh, being shipped overseas and all of that. Um, but then the first time I tried it on, on draft, uh, I was, Oh my God, this, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's just that I, you know, my perception was thrown off because of a shitty bottle. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that happens. It happens a lot yeah. with some of those imports. Uh, we could we could go on a tangent and talk about Heineken for a little bit of what Heineken is actually supposed to taste like versus what it has become because of those stupid bottles. <laughs> yep, yep. And it, it I've had Heineken over in Europe before, and it, it definitely tastes different for sure. I've, I've actually heard, and I don't know the truth of this because I've I've, I've bought it here in cans and it, it tastes fine, but I've heard that they actually add some of that skunky flavor to it now to uh, to adjust to what people expect it to taste like. Yep. I don't, I don't think that's actually true. I, uh, it, and maybe some of this just like perception of where you're at, but I, I do think that is true because it does taste different over there. Maybe it's just fresher and right. it, it hasn't actually been light struck. Um, like what I've heard they say they actually do to right. make it taste like what people think it should taste like over here. But it's, it's very, cause people say the same thing about Guinness though. Right. Uh, and Guinness is, no different. There's, there's, there's no there's, possible there's way zero it tastes different. <laughs> but when you're sitting on top of the gravity bar in Dublin, yeah. <laughs> you're going to like it better because right. you're just in that like great mental state. Whereas Heineken, 
I'm almost positive tastes different, but <laughs> I would be really, really curious to find a way to. All right. So I need to go travel. Uh, I need to go overseas, honey. I need to bring a, a six pack of Heineken from home yeah. and go sit over there and drink it and see if it, uh, there's any difference. That's, that's science. I can make a, I can write a blog post and then it's tax deductible, right? <laughs> Something like, yeah, yeah, it is your job. <laughs> it's kind of my job. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, if anybody doesn't understand the uh, uh, the beer selection when they come to a place like this, you guys have how many taps here? Um, so we have 30 taps in this one, but not all of it's beer, though. So we do have five wines on tap, kombucha, coffee, uh, root beer. Um, and then we do rotate through some ciders and stuff. So it's usually around 20 different beer, 20 to 22 different beers. And you guys are extremely, uh, I'll call it deliberate, about what goes on tap and why it's on tap, unlike a lot of places. Um, it is a extremely well uh, diverse tap list, uh, like extremely to the point of, uh, I can't imagine the stress of trying to put all that together over and over and over again. It's, uh, it's actually brilliantly done. And uh, that is, again, not the case at a lot of places that you go to. Well, I mean, I want to appreciate you saying that because I do put a lot of time into that and I do put a lot of time into the tap list and just the overall beer selection in, in Northside as well. Um, but it is, it, it, it has become a lot easier in the past five years. When we first started year one in Northside, just the options that were available were not anywhere close right. to what we have now. Right. So being able to have so many options to choose from and so many different breweries coming into town, we do try to still keep a pretty heavy local focus because we have some incredible local breweries that we still want to support as sure. long as they sell well for me it doesn't matter may i i shouldn't say it doesn't matter it, it it doesn't matter um if the liquid is good i i will stop selling it if it doesn't sell right i won't carry it if it's bad liquid and it sells i i'm i'm still probably not going to sell it <laughs> yeah. um th there are some exceptions we do Stock Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light in here. You guys have 450 North here? <sighs> yeah, we, we do. Not we, that the we liquid do. is bad, but the, the brewery sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never been there before. And I, I mean, I don't like to talk trash, but I know the history <laughs> of, of things there. And uh, we don't need to get into it because people <laughs> listening to the show probably know already. Um, but enough people ask for sure. it that I brought it in to make our customers happy. So I, I will do stuff like that. But in general, um, if the liquid's bad, I don't bring it in. And that's one of the things that differentiates us from like a tap room. And as good as the breweries are in Cincinnati, there's still bad beer. Sure. Well, and there's, I'm, I wouldn't go as far to say bad beer. There is, there is very little what I would consider bad beer happening in Cincinnati. But when you walk into a tap room, there are definitely things that I would say this is this is a great beer and this is okay. Like there are there are things that I consider okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're spoiled in Cincinnati because like, and this isn't for every city, but I've gone to quite a few cities where I've gone to three, four, five different breweries, and all of them were like, meh, they yeah. were they were okay. Um, and then I've gone to cities like. Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, Boston, where like everything's just delicious too. But uh, in Cincinnati, I would say hands down, like majority of breweries here have at least four or five beers that are fantastic. There are 
a couple breweries that just I personally think have <laughs> terrible, terrible beer. I, I can respect that. I guess because if I was, if I was a different person, I might have the same opinion, but, um, right. I, uh, yeah, we'll, and, we'll leave it at that. And, and yeah, I'm not <laughs> we'll going to get, in, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going to get into names of anything right. because I don't like trashing people. And even some of those breweries where I don't like the beer, I love the people. Right. Um, so I, I want them to do well and I want the beer to get better. But overall, Cincinnati's got got great beer. But you go into any tap room and maybe you find four or five beers that are really good, or you know, in a lot of cases like Brink and Urban, um, all all stuff like that. A lot of there's a lot of good beers, but you're not going to find 300 right. really incredible beers in any of those places. So, um, but I, even even with the, the, the taps, so like the fact that you have. Uh, 20-something beers on tap at any given time, the fact that you still will put on something like uh, Rot House, as I call it, uh, you, the, the, you'll put that on. I think that's fun. Like, I, the majority of the beer that I drink, like, the very heavy majority of the beer that I drink is local stuff. So to be able to walk in somewhere and see that, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, that's, I, I'm, that's what I'm going to drink today. Not that there's not a great Pilsner around town. I mean, shout out to 50 West. That Pilsner they've got right now in cans is incredible. But sometimes I want to drink that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I, uh, and in my normal life, I, I, I won't ever pick it up off a shelf but if i sit down in a place like this and it's on tap and it's there i might yeah or if i get a beer van calendar and something like that is in there i'm definitely gonna drink it and that's i, I like being I like being almost forced to drink something <laughs> that i may not pick up otherwise 100 percent. that's that's part of what like beer vent calendar is about too we'll yeah we have some fun styles like milkshake ipa sitting in there and pastry stouts yeah. great great examples of things that i might not pick up off the shelf gotta gotta have some of those in there that's what makes part of that fun for a lot of people right. but also okay here's here's I, one of the years i think three years ago we put a roadhouse in there and everyone loved it they were like this is one of our favorite beers in the calendar yeah and i didn't think anyone i just i wanted to give somebody a true german pilsner here's what the style should taste like right option to break up the pastry stouts and the new england ipas and all that kind of stuff um and just vary the styles through and i did not expect people to be like that was my favorite beer in the box um and and so every year we continue to try and do some of the crazy off the wall stuff, but then also substitute that with, okay, here's maybe one you've had before. Here's several that are very just true to BJCP style guide kind of thing. Right. And there's something for everyone in that box. You're not going to like all 25 beers, but uh, maybe you'll find something that you forgot about, forgot how much you loved, or maybe you find something new, but right. e either way, I think there's a lot in there for everybody. Let's. We got distracted when we were talking about the uh, the brewery exclusive stuff that you guys do. <laughs> it's kind of the way the show works sometimes. Um, so, uh, how do some of those relationships come about? How do you how do you make that decision of how how many brewery exclusives versus something like a like a Rothaus or something that's uh, maybe a throwback beer that you think people need to try that they haven't tried in a while versus some of the the, the trendy stuff that you know people are just going to be. Uh, really happy to see in there. How do you how do you break that up? It's I, it's it's a lot harder than I think most people might 
think it is. Um, there's what ten exclusive beers this I, year. I don't is know what there's. I, I don't ish? have. I don't have a number. It'll be. It'll be. It should probably be at least ten. And those ten mean either brewery collabs or out-of-state breweries that ship us stuff that you won't find on shelves in Cincinnati. Right. Um, so they're not all ones that are brewed specifically for the calendar, but they maybe ship it. You're not going to see on a right. shelf. Exactly. So um, the the two biggest things for me are price point because like I had one of our distributors this year be like, how much do you charge for those? Like 150, 170. And I was like, no, nobody will, nobody will buy it. Yes, people, they would. People, people, <laughs> especially people, now people would buy it, but it still limits people. So I try to be price conscious enough that we can still get a good amount of these into people's hands. I don't want to exclude too many people that I think would love this box because there's a lot of people who love craft beer that can't afford a $200 box. Well, Uh, you guys used to do two separate boxes. You used to have the cheaper one and the more expensive one. We did that one year and the the cheaper one just didn't sell. Because people People want the premium. Yeah. Agreed. But um, so I I still try to make it reasonable enough for what what, what you're getting. And in general, if you were to come into our store and buy all these beers off the shelf, and then buy it buy just like an empty box. You would pay more than what you would pay for the box itself. Right. Um, so you're getting a deal from from that standpoint. But so but I'm. That's that's, and, and this is probably what some of those people are telling you. That that's crazy. You sh- you should be paying a premium for that. You that. should. <laughs> you should. But I want people. I, mean, I don't want to spoil anything here because I love it. But that's crazy. But I want people to have this. Right. We're not losing money off of it. We're not making much money off of it either which I know is a stupid business decision. I'm a CPA. I understand numbers. Um, but I want people to have it. And as much as this is a yeah, business item for us, something that we sell and make profit off of, it's also a huge marketing thing for us too, because right. so many people get it. So many people post about it. So as many hands as I can get this into, the better it is for us as a brand. Right. Um, so that's, that's part of the thought in keeping, keeping the price point in check it's it's not obviously you can go buy some calendars like aldi does one for like 60 bucks but you're getting 60 dollars right. worth well, of worth of i think that was probably one of the years where uh your beer van calendars kind of skyrocketed too yeah. was when people started pointing out hey i got this calendar from this place i'm going to compare them side by side every day 100 percent. <laughs> that was that was great for us i um, saw somebody do a, a brew dog calendar one time yep uh, side by side with yours and there was one day they got socks it wasn't even a beer it was just socks <laughs> there i i remember this one because there were there were i think two or three days where they just got something not I, not beer which is cool i mean that's yeah. like swag is cool too yeah. but i can't um, like i can't imagine that feeling in the the morning when i'm punching that thing and i'm like man i can't wait to put this beer in the fridge uh, sometimes i peek at it sometimes i don't uh, you pull it out and it's a pair of socks. Yep. It's like, man, now I got to stop on the way home and pick up a beer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially if it's like a really bad, like you're already having a shitty morning coming out of bed and you're like, what, what's my beer going to be when I get off work today? And then you get socks. But, um, so, so I'm looking at, I'm looking at price point and then also looking at a range of styles. I want to make the experience varied and applicable to everybody. It, we get this question every year. Am I just going to have 20 IPAs? Right. No, you're not. Last year, I think we had three IPAs in the box. Uh, maybe maybe it was four, and they were different IPAs. We had a West Coast. We had a Double. We had a Hazy. We had a Milkshake. Um, it's and not so, all like Christmas beers. No, it's not all. Like, no. it's, it, it is really, really well curated. Sours, IPAs, lagers, like, everything is in there. And to me, 
that feels very stressful. <laughs> like trying to check all of those boxes. Yep. Um, I've done it in much smaller kind of, 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 uh, instances, but, um, you guys do it really, really well. But, and as I'm saying it, like, of course you do. Like that's everything. That is what you guys do. <laughs> it all makes sense. And, um, uh, what, how, how do you, how do you, do you just write down a list and, and be like, all right, here's the styles that have to be in here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm an accountant. I spent 10 years in public oh, accounting. A spreadsheet. So my, my brain lives in Excel. <laughs> yeah. So everything's in a spreadsheet and it, it doesn't, at least the major styles don't change necessarily from year to year. They change right. in their placement and where you find them in the box. But um, those sub styles will change quite a bit based on what people are uh, brewing, what are trends right now, what are people really liking, um, things like that. So I, I will vary that list of here's all the styles and sub styles that I want each year. Um, so it starts with that and then it, it, it's, okay, here's my price point breakdown. Here's what I can spend per per hole right. in the box essentially. Um, and then from there, it's starting to reach out to distributors and then local breweries to say, hey, are you guys interested in, in brewing? And I, we have a couple of breweries that come to us each year and say like, hey, are you doing this again? Can we can we be a part of it? Um, and, and then depending on where I am and filling those holes as far as like, oh, I have a lager planned on this day or right. an IPA planned on this day. And that may change over time, depending on what's available and and what the breweries decide to do that we're doing collaborations with. Um, but then we'll sit down with each of those collaboration breweries and be like, "What do you do?" And it, it, we don't we don't ask them that. We know what we know what they do. Sir, we make beer. <laughs> but like, what comes out of Urban is different than from what comes out of Listerman. And it's we, a, uh, that's a good way to kind of, so, I mean, the, you know, we'll say urban and West side, you look at those two breweries and, and there are very distinct personalities of, of what kind of beer they make or what their personality that goes into the liquid is. And, uh, and speaking of last year, uh, urban did the coal for you guys, which yep. was, uh, um, uh, polarizing. <laughs> This year, this year, this year is if I can get Brett to do it. He <laughs> he, he just chose not to respond to my message this year. Um, that takes a lot. If <laughs> if if I can get him to do what I want to do that I've been asking to do for three years, it will be more polarizing. <laughs> then, um, versus, yes. versus West Side, which was still funny. That was the uh, the malt liquor, but all but does fit their personality so yep. well, and uh, that's kind of a good representation to me of the the different sides of that. Yeah, and that's when we're asking these breweries to do this because it's not it's not their best from a pure cost standpoint. It's not their best business decision probably I, because they, uh, I in, disagree a little bit. I think from a long term one mar marketing, marketing a hundred percent helps them a ton to get, to get, you know, this, this group of people all of a sudden, all at the same time mm -hmm. talking about your brewery. Uh, I, I think that there is, I, I agree there. from that standpoint, but they're, I, I would say generally most of these breweries are probably taking a little bit of a pure margin cut sure. to sure. be able to do this. And for some of them, especially like urban, they're at such a big scale for them to do 25 cases right. of this beer as opposed to doing their normal batch um, is, is a lot different. It's, I mean, it's a hassle, but right. they love doing it. Um, and they're, 
at least they've told me they're happy to do it because we're good partners with them and uh, they like being in the box. Same thing with, with Westside. They do bigger batches than what we're asking them to do. Um, I was going to try to make some kind of joke about how Urban does not like being in the box. They're very outside of the box and trying to. This is true. Couldn't yeah. get it quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's when we when we ask them to do this and we ask them to go through the hassle, so to speak, of of getting their beer into this box. We want them to highlight their personality because that's that is what's right. going into there and that's what we want them to see. So like, yeah, I could say, okay, well, I've got a logger West Side, just do a logger. That's right. not how we approach it. We go to each of these breweries and say, how do you want to highlight your personality? What do you want to show off? And then how? Then I go, how can I fit that into what I'm looking to fill? And then I can kind of tweak the other stuff around those, if that makes sense. What were the uh, what were the collaborations last year? There was, so there was Urban Artifact, the coal. We talked about that. The, uh, <laughs> the malt liquor from Westside, uh-huh. which still, every time I think about it, makes me giggle. Uh, there was uh, Fibonacci did Origin of Species, which was their English mild. Speaking it, of English mild, yeah, it was an English with, mild with cinnamon tea. It was like it, it's like it was like Cincinnati spiced, so it was like yep. it, it tasted like Cincinnati chili almost. Like it was it was fantastic. I still have dreams about that beer. Um, there was uh, Streetside did Return of the Mac with something, some uh, kind of Christmas spiced. Something. Yeah, I think it was like caramel cream and yeah. something else. Um, what am I missing? Listerman did a raspberry oh, peanut butter fluff. Yes, uh, the uh, nutcase. Nutcase. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Third Eye, which I don't think... We didn't do a good enough job on the name, but we did. It was called Santa's Breakfast Break. I don't know if you've ever seen Bad yeah. Santa before, but where he's, like, he's sitting in the mall and he's eating his stuff and some lady comes up and tries to get um her kid to talk to santa while he's eating he just yells at the case i'm on my breakfast break or i'm on my lunch break so we were trying to do like a bad santa reference right the name fell short but the beer did not it was a rum barrel aged um brown ale that was one of the first ones last year it was probably towards the front yeah i was just trying to look up the list on my phone but i can't find it um so what do we got five i think we had seven collaborations so we had urban uh, High Grain did did a really cool one. So they did a Fa inspired beer, which I always thought yeah, was pronounced yeah, Fo, yeah. but it's Fa. Um, and it was called Fucking Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, that. So that one was a fun one. So that was a interesting take on it. So it was, we called it a Christmas ale, but it wasn't really a Christmas there's nothing ale. Nothing Christmassy about nothing, it. Yeah, yeah, other than Santa on the label. <laughs> but I um, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think there was one more that we're missing, but I, so whoever that is, I apologize. I can't remember. I should have, should have got the list ready to go before we started talking today. But, um, but that gives you an idea of kind of each of these places and how their personalities are still very front and center in what beer they decide to collaborate with. But there is always a twist to it and something that is very, uh, very fitting to the calendar, be it to the day or, you know, if it's a, um, a, a Krampus reference or if it's a, uh, you know, something like that. There's, there's always some kind of uh, tie to the calendar itself. And um, I just, I, I know I've probably used the word fun way more times than I probably should in this podcast, but it's just fun. And we, we, we lose that so much um, in craft beer today everybody takes things way too seriously yeah yeah i I mean 
a lot of people take it very seriously. And then, I mean, I do really like working with some of these breweries because there are some of these ones that we do the collaborations with year in and year out. Yeah, obviously their business is serious, but they are willing to take risks and they're willing to try fun things. Right. Uh, and they're not taking that beer specifically as serious in terms of what they're putting out there from the label or the name of the beer obviously they still put every ounce of quality they can into it, but they're like, yeah, this is like high grain. Matt was really worried about having fucking on the label because that's not who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. They're not like who farted will do stuff like that all the time. That's what they do. Um, but he was worried about brand image with that. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but he was worried about his brand image with having that on the label. Sure. And I was like, dude, people, people will appreciate it. They'll laugh about it. They'll think it's funny. Um, and they'll like the beer. Yeah. And, and so it, it, did they, I think they put that on tap in the tap. They room. did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that goes to say something though, that they put it on tap and didn't call it something else. <laughs> right. Right. They could have relabeled it in, in the tap room. So I, I, I do think it gives even some of the serious breweries, and, and I, I mean, if you go there, you see kids playing outside and stuff. They're a family-oriented place. Um, it gave them the opportunity to get outside of that comfort zone and say, right. okay, we can actually, we can have fun with this. Well, yeah, there, I mean, there are some breweries that are very used to kind of pushing that line and doing things even uh, less from a brand image kind of side, but just the, the weirdness of stuff. Like, you know, it's not crazy for Urban to make a cold beer. Right. You know, I've, I've heard way crazier ideas sitting around beers with them that <laughs> would love to talk about. But um, uh, it's there are some places that it's 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 not insane and it doesn't uh, um, it, it doesn't surprise anybody that they are doing this. There are other places that maybe it's just the um, uh, the fact that they are making an exclusive beer for that that's you know shocking in itself <laughs> there are some places that oh you would you would go and you would you would tweak that for for us like that's the fun part like there's there's just something different about each one of the collaborations that makes it special yeah yeah and it's super cool and um for the most part a lot of these beers will actually go to the brewery and either help with canning or help right. with brewing so for us it's just a fun way to connect to the brewers directly and yeah. just see the behind scenes process. I I've been brewing for quite a while on a homebrew level and I've done enough collaborations where, um, like I get it, but we also try to take some of our staff or some other people right. with us and it's, it's cool for them to be able to see that and hang out with, with the brewery internally. So, well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to do a collaboration beer and have like a one-off thing and a, an event and stuff that you, you make, but to, to put it into, something like this calendar uh takes it to a different level of again going back to that that community side of everything of something that is just about the fun of it it's it's not you know, like you said it's not that you guys are uh you know uh, charging an arm and a leg for these things and and taking advantage of people and although we would let you but uh <laughs> you know it uh it, it's not about that and i think that that is kind of what makes it um, uh, so that places are more likely to be like, yeah, well, of course we'll do that. Like it's, it's fun and you're not being a jerk about stuff, which other places would be. Um, that's why you're able to get all of these places to kind of come in and, and be part of it. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and I, I think just 
brewing culture, not not even just in Cincinnati. I think brewing culture is just that. Like it, it is a community, and yeah, we're all competing, but it's it's fun and having multiple places be around. Like when Humble Monk came into Northside, it nobody like nobody by me saying us higher gravity and urban nobody was upset that right. there's more competition we're like hell yeah that'll bring more people to the neighborhood right kind of thing so it it it's just a unique business area that people like having options and even the people who are competing against each other play nice because it helps the overall market so I was, I was answering a, a question from somebody. I've been on this thing the last couple of days where uh, there's some kind of app where you can ask anonymous questions and then uh, you can post the answer. And so I've been answering a ton of questions the last couple of days. And one of them had something to do with uh, competition or I don't remember how, how it came up, but the idea of competition and um, whether um, uh, breweries were... Uh, putting neighborhood pubs out of business or something like that, and uh, like I, I just I, I laugh at that thought. Like I can't if you're if you're going out of business, it's not because somebody moved in next door to you. It's because you're doing something wrong. Um, I can't imagine that that couldn't be the case for every industry. Um, it's not clearly it's not, <laughs> but like there is something that's special about the beer industry, or uh, to some extent. The, the drinking industry uh, to some extent. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I, I think it's a good point because, like, if you're right next door to a brew pub that comes in and you're a small traditional bar, right, like, and now you're suffering because that brewery came in, you're you're not leveraging that brewery You're not enough. understanding why you're, people are going there and not you. It, exactly. Change your atmosphere, change your marketing tactics, change what you do. Because all those people coming now to that brewery are seeing your space next door, you should see an uptick yeah. in the amount of people coming. So I, I do agree, like, not every industry is that way. But it, I, I really firmly believe that every every industry could be that way. You could have, uh, and, and I don't know how many shoe stores you need on a block, but if you're a shoe store and a shoe store moves in next door to you, there's room for two shoe stores. Like, you just have to be different than each other. You have to find a way to be special and be that place that people want to go to both. And most industries have not been able to figure that out and do it. But beer still is one that has done that somehow. And, and beer and beer and mattresses, right? <laughs> but I think they're all selling I don't cocaine. They, I, don't I don't think they get along with each other. There's no way that the mattress companies all get along. But they're all right next to each other. <laughs> car, so like, car dealerships. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting how some industries, they all lump together. Others, they try to stay as far away as possible. Right. Um, so I'll put a link in the show notes for anybody who wants to uh, to get a calendar. Um, if you're listening to this in uh, in, in November, uh, you're probably shit out of luck. Sorry, you should have uh, subscribed to the show because then you get it right away and you could have pre pre ordered a calendar. Um, so we'll put a link in there. It'll take you right to the store and you can do that. Um, is there anything else you want people to know that they, you think they don't know about uh, higher gravity or the new location or? craft beer in general <laughs> i so just in terms of your your comment there about looking at it in november and you'll be shit out of luck there's a solid chance because i don't think we've ever made it into november and still had calendars left um so get your orders in early um not only does that 
help ensure that you get a calendar, but it also helps us plan so we can get better stuff in our calendar. And I can make sure I'm working more closely with breweries and distributors to plan that number. It also makes it feel like more of a gift. If you pay now, then when it comes time to pick up your calendar, you don't feel like you're actually paying for it. You feel like it's free. I like that mentality mm -hmm. That's a lot. That's I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then we're, we're also doing just right now in July, I don't know when this episode will post, but, um, Monday. Okay. Yeah. So it'll still be July plenty of time. It will be July. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you order your, um, calendar before the end of July, you will get a special glass. Oh, that's right. Um, and that was designed by local artist, Scott hand, who does all the, the labels for urban artifact. Um, really, really cool stuff. He designed a label that we did for our one year anniversary called lost alley quad, which is like, I'm not maybe I am biased, but it's one of the coolest labels that I've ever seen in my life. I love his work so much. Yes, yes. He is incredibly talented and he just makes me realize that I'm not cut out for art. <laughs> so um, we asked him to do this and he was like, what do you want? And I was like, you're the artist, just go. <laughs> uh, and, and the glass looks super cool. That is on our website. Um, so if you go to hiregravitycrafthouse.com, there is a tab for beer event calendars, which will have the link for where to buy, but it also gives you a ton of information about just the overall process, what to expect, frequently asked questions, because the biggest question that we get is, hey, when when's the last date I can order? And <laughs> depends. Depends on what all your friends do. <laughs> exactly. So that date is not set in stone. We will not stop selling them until we sell out. That sellout could be this month. That sellout last year, I think, was in September, maybe. Um, so just don't be one of those people that message me in um, November and be like, hey, I missed the date. It, because I, I have horrible anxiety, and I will feel so bad for you that I may try to help you get a custom calendar. But again, it's not going to be the same. Don't, don't make him do that. Don't put, don't, please don't put me through that stress. I don't want to do that. So just, just get your orders in early. Um, if we get orders in early enough, we can compensate and up our quantities on all these beers. If I don't get them till November, I can't do anything about right. it. So at that point, the beer is all made and ready to go. Exactly. Um, thank you for taking a few minutes to sit down with me. I, um, it's, it's hard to get excited about Christmas in July, but I am excited right now about Christmas. <laughs> I, I don't want to be excited about the cold, but I'm excited about Christmas. <laughs> yeah, as long as as long as we don't start seeing Christmas ales on the shelf in July, I'm, uh, I'm good think, with it. But. I think we have another couple months before you <laughs> have to worry about that. And we have to get through pumpkin season first. That's true. Um, That's true. Do you do you guys do a lot of pumpkin beer here? Um, what's your pumpkin stance? Our our pumpkin stance is we were we were talking about this before the show. Same thing with Oktoberfest and Christmas ales. Um, I am still trying to fight the good fight. <laughs> and not order Oktoberfest until it's Oktoberfest season. We get screwed every year because of that, because by the time I do order Oktoberfest, um, they're already all gone in the distributor. So we, we still get in a decent amount, but it's not, you know, you're not gonna have right. 40 options of Oktoberfest in here. Um, same thing with pumpkins and Christmas sales. I try to wait until it's actually that season before I order them. And sometimes we miss out on stuff, but um, honestly, I'm tired of people skipping Thanksgiving <laughs> because I love Thanksgiving. Like, stop sending me Christmas stuff before I've had my turkey. Um, so we'll get that stuff, but it's just not as <laughs> not is, as much. It is hard because um, I always want to drink a pumpkin beer on Halloween, 
And I can't, you can't yeah. go to the store that week and expect to find a selection of pumpkin beers. You may have one or two left. I, I, I'm the same way, but it's this like delicate balance because I usually try to hold on to a keg of something till it's close because I know what our run rates are. And so I try to hold it as close as I can until October 31st so that people can still get right. a pumpkin beer on October 31st. But then if that beer doesn't tap out on October 31st, we're just screwed. We're never selling that beer. So like, it's such a hard thing to, to try and plan out, even though that pumpkin beer would still be good for Thanksgiving, but yeah, you know, throw just, some kind of a, a party, you know, kill the pumpkin party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. Um, for anybody who has not been to higher gravity, what are you doing? Come on, just get to either one of the locations, uh, go to both locations, um, go to one on a Friday and one on a Saturday and, and, and make it a party and make sure you get your, your calendar order in because you are going to feel really, really, really left out when all of your friends are throwing their stuff up on Untapped or Twitter or Instagram or wherever they uh, social mediaize, social social mediate, uh, wherever they <laughs> wherever they do their social mediaing, um, because the, it is so much fun. It is uh, one of my favorite things about the month of December. Um, my kids love pulling the beers out with me. They, I mean, it's just it's it's so much fun. Um, I, it did cause me to have to buy weird little advent calendars for my kids though, too. We have to buy all kinds of little crap now because they want, do you get the, do you get the Lego ones? And stuff uh, we like have that? not gotten the Lego one. We did Play-Doh and dinosaurs last year. So, um, you know, yeah, we've, we've got one for my son and then they also have treats one for, we have a dog. So Oh, that's good. All, all of us, my wife and I split one <laughs> beer vent calendar. The kid gets a Lego and the dog gets a, a treat calendar. You guys might not, be, <laughs> might not be charging extra for your calendar, but the amount of calendars you have caused me to have to buy in my house makes up for that. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. That's all right. I, I do feel sorry. bad. Uh, thank you very much. If anybody um, doesn't know how to, uh, how to support this show, it's really easy. Just share it with your friends. Share it with anybody who you think likes craft beer or would like craft beer if they got into it. Um, or you can go to the gnarlygnome.com slash support and you can help that way too. That makes my wife much happier than when you share the show. She doesn't really care about that. She cares about money coming in and it is important. <laughs> it is uh, Sensi Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensi Craft. Thanks, guys.